Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Sap. We got a good one for you today, episode 364. As always, it is your boy, Dave Neal. I'm joined by Erica Warnick. We have a great chat. Erica runs a company called uh, Hollywood Success Coach. And oh, we talk about everything. We start with, uh, this is the perfect episode to like listen with a notepad because we talk about so many amazing uh, ways for us to kickstart uh, finding that success we want in life. This is the perfect episode to listen to a month before the new year, before we get our goals right for the next year. Uh, we talk about kind of getting rid of limitations, how to see the finished product, the the uh, you know the goal line of what we want to be, how to work towards that, how to get rid of resistance, um, how to just kind of like live in this positive world when a lot of um, social media and things out there can be kind of negative. So how to know that you're pursuing your dreams, pursuing uh, all the things you want in life and doing it, uh, you know, shining light on who you are, not on who other people want you to be. This episode is great. Uh, I don't need to say anything more about that because you're about to hear all of it. If you want more content, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash this app, patreon.com slash T-H-E S-A-P. And I guess what, if whoever joins the Patreon by, let's call it December 15th of 2019, we're going to send you some soap. I've got uh, gifts of soap, uh, handmade soap that Tasha and I made. We have an Instagram if you want to check out the soap making process. We made it last night. We made 64 pounds of soap last night. I'm not kidding. I'm the breaking bad of soap making. Saponified himself soap. Uh, we've got peppermint soap with uh, coffee grinds in it. Grounds, grinds. And then we've got this cinnamon clove soap, which is a great holiday soap. So we've been making this soap last night. You can go to Tada Soaps, T-A-D-A Soaps on Instagram and see the process. But it's not, you know, you know me, it's not something we even try to, we don't even try to sell this shit, but it's going to be a gift from us to you for joining the Patreon and all of our other Patreon listeners. Uh, you'll get a little box of soap you can have for the holidays. And if you don't want it, you can re-gift it to your weird aunt. I don't really care what you do with it, but it's, uh, it's out there for you. And uh, if you're wondering what the Patreon is, it's our membership community. Uh, every week, we have uh, new episodes, solo episodes that I do, uh, car cast road trip episodes, uh, our live stand-up show. We put the audio of that on the on the Patreon. So it's a way for us to create more content and for the people that have the funds, they can donate to us and um, get something out of it. Extra content for you. And it's a place where I can do more of the solo episodes where I really dive deep into, you know, recapping different inspirational books, motivational stuff, things that kind of keep me on the straight and narrow as it were. Uh, so all that's available out there. And if, look, you're not ready to join the Patreon, that's okay. That's okay with me. Um, if you want to share us on your Instagram or tag a friend, that's good too. You can just screen grab the podcast app that you're listening to right now or share us on your stories. Tag us at the dot sap. Um, I'm at dneals, D-N-E-A-L-Z on Instagram. And you can go, uh, you know, spread the love that way. It's free. Anyway, without further ado, here's my chat with Erica Wernick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the SAP. It's your boy Dave Neal with Erica Warnick. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm excited. You said to, it right. I thank you. I know. I know. I know. Every. I. 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 It's. There's no name I can't fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's sometimes it's the hard ones. I'll, I'll get some like long Italian name right, and then I'll just mess up like the easiest shit. But it's so nice to have you on here. It's been forever since I've seen you in the flesh. I mean, to be honest, I think we've only seen each other in the flesh, flesh maybe once, once. in our lives. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Did you go? Th- did you go through the thing to be like, do I know this guy any more than that, <laughs> or is that do I just know him? I remember. No, I definitely remember when we met, and and I've been we're Facebook friends. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the beauty of Facebook is yeah. you can meet somebody, sort of be on each other's back burner in like a social friendly way, and then when the time's right, you can reconnect. <laughs> and the time's right right now. Um, you've uh, what? I, okay, so yeah, we met. Um, did you, you, I don't know if you knew this, this, that was like the loneliest time of my life when we met. Really? <laughs> did you know that? It was like seven, it was like around seven years ago. Would you say? I have no idea yeah, what it was. Can you imagine it was that long ago? Literally no idea. I thought I was old seven years ago and that was a long time. Anyway. And uh, yeah, I was, that was when I was first living in LA and, um, I was just trying to figure out this long distance thing at the time. Tasha and I hadn't started dating for like another probably like a year and a half or so. But oh my gosh, I was just going out like, you know, I was actually, that was the night that I was um, watching improv. I was like going to see improv and I feel like when, yeah. So like you live in that, you live in literally on the city block up (laughs) You must meet a lot of Let's improvisers. Let's tell everyone listening where I live. Well, please. there's multiple. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'll I'll bleep that out. 
I literally just gave your address away. I'll bleep it out. Um, but yeah, do you meet a lot of um, comedians because of the proximity to the LA comedy scene? I I don't go down there that much anymore. You know, I got old and boring. And so <laughs> I just, you just I don't gave go, up on the... Well, I just don't go down. I just don't go out as much. Um, so when I met you, you were a graphic designer. Yeah. You still a graphic designer? Kind of. And I think the, I'll always be a graphic designer, but. And then you're, you're in the motivational world. Is that the way you would put it? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm basically, you can call it a career coach, but I'm Hollywood success coach. Hollywood success coach. Mm-hmm. Now what, um, sort of success are we talking about? How can we, uh, how can we, uh, get our because li- we have a lot of hollywood listeners here that are probably searching for success can you believe it or not there's people are searching for success oh wow, that's so unique how are people in like in their own way with finding success on their own because you know because la is obviously a very unique place to try to get a hold of your career yeah i mean the past several years the biggest thing that i've seen is just fear and it it's so cliche. It's so cliche to be like, oh, people are afraid of failing or people are afraid of, some people are even afraid of success. But fear in general just stops people from taking actions, taking risks, putting themselves out there. I think that people will come to me and say, oh, I want strategy. I want strategy because I do do that. But to me, the strategy is so easy and so obvious and it's really all of the shit that's in their head that's stopping them from moving forward with the action. Why do you think that fear like is crippling people? Because that's obviously something, I, you know, we can all look at situations where we decided not to pursue um, something that was right in front of us. And just because we, you know, like, like I always wonder if it's like some genetic thing inside of us that's trying to protect us. It's, I mean, I don't know if it's genetic. I would say the ego is always trying to protect us. So... The ego is the, the ego doesn't like anything that's unknown. And so we are afraid to do anything where the outcome is unknown. And people are also really afraid of rejection. And just because of how that makes them feel. And if they've been rejected once, they know how it feels and they don't want to experience that again. So they're afraid of being rejected. I mean, because I'll meet people who moved to LA, picked up their entire life, left their family, they came all the way out here, and they think they're doing it. But they're not really doing it. How so? You know, they because you know, I always think social media can. People will be like, "Oh, Dave, you're killing it out in L.A." I'm like, "Well, what am I? Did I post a photo of the Hollywood sign, you know?" <laughs> and I know you just took a photo of the Hollywood sign, but it's like we can we can live adjacent to success in L.A. and look like we're killing it, but also maybe not being authentic to what you actually want in life. Yes, I mean, there's a couple ways. That I've seen this, but one thing I just want to note there that you just said, I also want to call out and say, look, all of us who are quote unquote successful in LA, like we've all had really shitty times. We've all struggled a lot. And I, I just want to call that out because people don't talk about the struggles as often. But I really believe that the obstacles and the struggles and the frustrating times and the depression and all of those days were like, why is it not happening yet? That is part of success. Right. I think that that really, like if you look at any successful person, they've had those moments. And so this isn't to say like, hey, get off your ass, stop being scared, go do something. It's just to, you know, I want people to understand like, hey, I get it. The hard times are, I really believe part of success. You know, what's interesting is a lot of, you know, with social media, you only post usually your successes. But I mean, if I, my world's a little different because comedy, all we do is talk about our failures. In this podcast, all I do is talk about... The other day, I um, I went to it. My buddy works at Umami Grill or whatever it's called, Umami Burger Bar or whatever. And um, I was writing a pilot that I'm trying to get made. And that same day, I applied to be a busboy. <laughs> I was thinking like, <laughs> I have a business degree, but we have to do what we need to do to maintain a flexibility to let other things work out. And I've been afraid to commit to side gigs that are too time consuming because I know it's not what I'm trying to do. But I also wonder if I'm stopping myself from finding other successes. I don't know. Like, how do you, like, how do you, how would you advise somebody if they're, you know, if, if like success is a lot, can be a long path sometimes, but you have to be able to really gear down and, and face it and just do what it takes. I mean, it can take 10 years to break in, but then once you're, once you're in, you might 
have a voice that the whole world can hear, you know? Yeah, I think everybody's path looks different. And, you know, it's a long game and you need to be here for that. But, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. I was so into what you were saying. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, like I said, so we, yeah, it's all, for me, I, 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 I'm guilty of almost being very short term with my goals. I go, okay, this week I need X amount of hours free for my creativity. I can't have a nine to five where I'm thinking of somebody else's jobs thing and then I don't have the bandwidth to come up with my own stuff because um, you know, I'm really stuck on this, uh, this saying I heard online that was um, don't rent out your time. And that's what's crazy because every side gig in the world is doing somebody else's like a dream. Really, you're just doing the labor to somebody else's dream. So how do you, how can you do what you need to do to stay in the game, but also put in the hours and the time towards your own dream, towards your own equity? You know, that's what that's what the challenge seems to be. So it's interesting. So I actually think what you're doing is exactly what I would advise. I mean, I always, I really worry when people get nine to fives because not only are nine to fives blocking. <clears throat> your time during the day. So what if you need to have a pitch meeting? Or, you know, what if you have to meet with an eight? Like, you can't do those things. And the other thing that's a little dangerous about a nine to five is that it creates comfort and stability. That's it. And even though we all want those things, it can really screw with you when, you know, five years down the line, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to get promoted and working on this promotion at this nine to five job, you know, and years are going by and you're not actually pursuing your dream. So I always tell my clients, like, look, you have to pay your bills. You know, you need to be able to stay afloat. Ideally, you want a day job that's like something that you can kind of do. I always think about it like <laughs> this is a silly analogy, but when you're learning to play basketball. And you start to learn to dribble, you know, dribbling is like the first thing you learn. Mm -hmm. And then you start to do layups. When you're doing layups, you don't have to think about, oh, I need to dribble or how do I dribble? But when you have a day job, it's so similar. Like you want a day job that becomes the essence of dribbling where it's not something that you have to worry about or think about. It's just kind of there and you're just Punch doing the clock, it. Get the work yes, done. Yes, but the main focus is on like you just want to be able to have your mental energy. Yeah. You want time to have mental energy to focus on your career. But when people don't do that, it's not because they're stupid it's because they're scared and because they don't believe what they want is actually possible and that's just yeah the societal limitations saying you need to have your fallback or you need to have your safety and i you know i i heard something one of the one of the politicians in the democratic race was saying and when i love when you hear a different perspective and you can't unknow you can't unknow something when you know it and they said they were just mentioning how bizarre it is that we've tied healthcare to per, a professional job because it's forcing people to do jobs they don't want to do to provide a basic human right to their family it's very dangerous because it's basically forcing people to just stay in the status quo when when technology and everything about this world is moving to like a freelance economy now don't get me wrong i think the gig economy is horrible in a lot of ways because the algorithm set to get people to do work at, at the price somebody will do it which is just at the poverty line if not right below it i driven for uber you know lyft all that they will get they will get the price to a point where you're barely making enough money and you're not making enough to do that job and also do something else like the, i think the key is is to get enough in the bank account where you can be flexible, take a risk, have a have a couple extra bucks if you want to shoot your short film or take a week sabbatical to go to Palm Springs and write your screenplay. Like I feel like you need to find something and I'll and I'll get into the place too where all um September I had a comedy festival in Rhode Island and I did some stand up in New York and then I had a a thing going on in Phoenix and all of a sudden I didn't make any money that month. <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit, October, I got to go back to the grind." And it's so it's like it's like one month I bet on myself. But then uh, I'm I'm instantly like ah fuck I gotta go I, I like uh, that's a, now I'm a month behind and the next month I gotta work extra hard at the other gig and it's just like getting to that place and I know I'm, I know what we're talking about is gonna resonate with a ton of people because either you're in the nine to five 
and you're waking up every day feeling like a fraud. Not everybody. Some people are in a job that just lines up perfectly with them. But my um, friend, uh, Nicole, she's a podcast listener here. She always would get mad at me when I would bitch about the nine to five because it's like some people it works out really well for them. But she's also someone who's taken a lot of leaps this year and ran for um, a seat in her in her uh, local uh, in the local election one and is able to do all this stuff where she's breaking away from working for someone else and is now working for like she put all that equity and time into herself and it's paying off. So it's it can be done in so many different ways, I feel like. But also, you know, at the end of the day, always looking for that that safety net. But the safety net is what will keep you from really pulling the trigger on what you want to do in life. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable if you want to succeed in Hollywood or succeed in anything. So how did you, is it easier for you to, um, to look at somebody else and see their fears versus your own? No. So you can look at yourself and see and like, do you, like, do you, what are your limitations? What, what have you like had to overcome that's like a, a force that's been passed down from your family to be like, you know, because you're, you're, you're from the Midwest, right? No, I'm from Philly. Philly. Oh, Philly. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was a accent on the east side of the country. I wasn't yeah. that close. Philly. I haven't said water yet. Yeah. But. <laughs> you need to get an oogie. Go over down to the Wawa and get an oogie. Um, oh, how's my Wawa. accent? Is it horrible? That was pretty bad. That's not Philly, but you said Wawa and I got really excited. That's how you just say a local gas station. Um does your Philly, because you know I'm from Rhode Island. That's very Philly and New England. It's very uh, East Coast uh, Puritan. If you know, very there's old school vibe. Do they do they wonder like what were were you given sort of a uh, a fear based mentality growing up? No, I really wasn't. I mean, I had my own, I, I had my own shit that I had to work through. Um, even more so starting my own business than working in television. Uh, I mean, when I worked in TV, I was relatively fearless. Like, I don't know if it was because I was young, but I, my parents were actually really supportive. Um, I mean, they were sad that I moved so far away, but they were super supportive. And so I didn't have a ton of things holding me back when I was pursuing television. But then when I made the jump to starting my own business, whole new whole new set of limiting thoughts came up and from your family like from myself i mean i think that like so one of them just to be super transparent so i and i wonder if other people can relate to this in my family i think a lot of people in their family they play a role and so in my family i was the artistic one i went to art school i grew up doing theater and acting and singing and then i came out here to do art and my sister was the one that was really good with numbers and really good at business. So when I decided to start my own business, it was really hard for me. Like I had these limiting beliefs that I'm not the one in the family that's good at business. I'm the, not the one that's good at numbers. How am I going to build a successful business? I'm the art person. I My dad makes fun of me because I carry the one when I add and, <laughs> and I'm like using my fingers and, you know. Um, and so that was like a really big, it might sound silly, but that was like an identity that I had, that I was the artistic one in the family. And then I wouldn't, you know, like when we were in high school, I took an accounting class that I did so badly and I had to drop it. And my sister got an A in the same class. Right. So I, I like had to break free of that identity when I started my own business. And what did you do to kind of get that growth mentality because that's really what it is is knowing you're not good at something or thinking you're not good at something just figuring out how to be good at that or at least passable at that like how did you i mean because in today's world you can really just kind of google your way to learn finances or you know not like i'm not saying you can be somebody's like you know financial broker but you can figure out how to you know start your own company your llc or whatever it's all out there but how how, how did you kind of navigate the unknown yeah i mean for me it was like a deeper fear than just like figuring the logistical things out. It was like this deeper sense of my identity of like, that's not my, like, even if I Googled all those things, my identity says I'm the artist in the family. So for me, I mean, it's the same thing that I still do to this day, the same things I do with my clients, like any fear that comes up, any story, it's just all about changing the story. So it's just recognizing, oh, hey, that's interesting. I've got a story that I can't be successful in business. 
I got to change that story. What's the new story? My story is that, of course, I can be successful in business and any help that I need, I'll be led to the resources. I can be resourceful and I'm probably not as bad as I think I am. I just took on that role, right? So it's really just about changing that story to change the belief and then reaffirming it again and again and again. You know, it's interesting because no one's no one's more critical than than yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, and people don't when you meet someone, when I meet you, I don't necessarily see you as just a creative person. I don't know. I don't see your your the, your cards. You only yeah. you do. So it really is like uh, that's why when they they they, they say kind of like you know fake it till you make it. It's and I, by the way, I heard the funniest joke someone was doing recently about how mu- how how much easier it is to be a comedian than a rapper because a rapper has to rap about being like rich and successful before they're rich and successful. <laughs> so they have to have this confidence in the comics like ah oh, my girlfriend dumped me. I'm broke and it's all about kind of humility on stage. You got to punch up. You can't punch down. So a lot of comics kind of lose their their stride when they get you know the money because like what do they have to bitch about you know. So it's it's interesting that um, you know I've I guess for me in the last probably five years the toll that LA's taken on me is not believing in myself because we surround ourselves with a lot of people pursuing the same thing. So I feel like it almost changes the, this is really hard to say, but it almost changes. Like if I was doing comedy in a non-comedy town, I'd be the funny guy. But out here, I'm just among, I'm just among a, a sea of th- thousands of comics that trying to do sort of the same thing. So it's almost a little different to break free. How, how do you advise people to like break free to be like unique in a world of everyone who's trying to be a blogger or an Instagram or a travel journalist or whatever. <laughs> That's all we're trying to yeah. do is get paid to travel. Right? Yeah. Well, so I just have a different perspective on this. And this is something I'm really passionate about. Because I, I think that so much of our struggles have to do with like the Hollywood story, quote unquote. And one of the Hollywood stories is about competition and things like that. And so I think that there is room for everybody and I know that, that that sounds crazy, you know, in Hollywood, like, what? What do you mean? No, there's, there's, you know, one role, 10 people audition, only one person's getting it. But I really believe that it, we weren't given a dream unless we have the capacity to fulfill it. That's wow, a I like that quote from Jack quote. Canfield. Quote from Jack Canfield. I love, well, he was one of the greatest sales. Um, right, am I thinking of the same one? Was he, was he, he the sales the motivator? He chicken soup for the soul. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, multi multi millionaire. But <laughs> I love that. I like. I really believe. Like, why would we be given this dream if we're just set up to fail? And so I think that it's about, um, like, you know, to be the the small fish in the big pond versus the big fish in the small pond. Like, a like it helps you rise up. It helps you rise up to be surrounded by all these other talented people. You know, and I think that like that's that's growth and that's what we want from a performer or from any kind of artist we want you being your best and i think being around other great people helps you rise as well you can't help but rub off yeah i mean and and it challenges you it challenges you to to really to grow and to be better than you thought you could be like i i like whenever i hear people who are like oh i want i want to be an oscar oscar winning actress um but you know i think i'm not to shit on Atlanta, but like, I think I'm going to move to Atlanta instead of LA. And people are so afraid of being the small fish in the big pond. But to me, it's like, if you want to be a mo- if you want to be winning an Oscar, so you want to be the best of the best, you need to be surrounding yourself with the best of the best. Right. You need to not be so afraid to step up and, and be in that environment. And then the other piece, I feel like, you know, a lot of us grow up saying like, oh, you should be the next Meryl Streep, or you should be the next whoever. But what Hollywood and this world really needs is for you to be the next you. It needs it needs it needs the Danny DeVitos to be Danny DeVito. Exactly. Not put on like um, foot pumps to be taller. Like he was a short, chubby guy that made it because he just leaned into his look, and not necessarily look just in a physical way. But everyone, yeah, I had a buddy who who got plastic surgery to like look less Jewish. That was, I mean, that's basically what it was, and he took away the essence of his. Uh, what he was yeah. and that's yeah. a very specific like identity that he had and whenever you try to like do the Renee Zellweger type of you're like what do you you were some you looked or what's the Jennifer Grey right from Dirty right. Dancing you know she like you 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 People are trying to change the essence of who they am. How do how do you lean into what you are? Because sometimes other people see it before. I had a I had a friend tell me that we were t- between takes of this project we were shooting. He was like, "Dave, you're so funny just being you." And I was like, "Oh, 
And it's not that I'm, I, I'm ever like, I'm not like in a hilarious uh, kind of like uh, loud, boisterous, funny. I'm kind of just like a shit talker under my breath type of thing. And so sometimes it's not something that like grabs everyone's attention. But but, but whoever was listening to the sound of what we're bullshitting, we're like, that was some weird shit you were saying. <laughs> so it's like, how do you how do you acknowledge what it is that makes you different and and sort of not just different, but different in a in a good way, like unique? Like, how do you sort of figure that part out? I think it really takes um, honesty and self-awareness. I don't think it has to be like, I need to figure out what my shtick is, you know? And it, I don't think it needs like a label in that sense. I think that it really just comes from learning to be as comfortable with yourself as possible and also not to get super cheesy, but to love yourself, to really truly like love yourself and be comfortable being you because I think that it comes out when you are feeling, you know, free, when you're feeling like you can be yourself. So I think surrounding yourself with people that you feel that you can do that with is so important because if you are dimming your light to fit in in any way, you're not going to discover that uniqueness. But I, I, I hate to even use the word discover because I feel like it's not necessarily like this, this present that you suddenly unwrap. I think it's who you are all along and it's just being more of who you are. But it's, it's really just um, surrounding yourself with people that allow you to be yourself or that you feel comfortable being yourself in front of. I love that we're having this conversation a month before the new year, because I think this is a good way to sort of, I feel like new year's it can be overwhelming for people. They're like, all right, what's your new goals? And you're like, ah, what? I'm still hungover <laughs> from a week of eating and drinking. And it's good. It's like m my mom just started um, going to CrossFit and um, she, she hasn't worked out in a few years and she's, she's, I'm like so happy for her that she's doing a pre holiday training with people like a third of her age right and I'm, I'm thinking it's so cool to work on yourself and not wait for some like you know perfect time but just to go okay let's let's really take a step back to just see what's working what we're like not feeding you know within ourselves because we'll all do it we'll go you know like uh you know people call themselves a writer but they didn't pick up a pen and paper in five years because it's just the procrastination of the resistance of like wanting that perfection and you just have to sometimes remember just you have to go out there and do something. You just have to do something in that direction. I mean, that's better than nothing, at least. Are you, do, you, do, you, do you find clients that, that they're, can't get past the idea phase of just what they want to get done because they can't see the outcome? Not necessarily past the idea phase, but my clients experience resistance a lot because they're human. Um, and I think it's part of the process, but I think the resistance is... It's it's so many different things. You know, like one client right now is struggling, <laughs> sending her love, not trying to call her out. But um, she's, so here's something, the way that she's experiencing resistance is something I see a lot. So it's not necessarily just the idea phase, but it's like there's there's phases in careers, right? Like every kind of phase. And each phase is going to require really uncomfortable risks and actions. And what happens is we finally get the courage to do the risk of the phase. And then we do it and we do it and we do it. And suddenly it's not so scary anymore. And it's actually becoming comfortable. And then it's like, wait a minute, I'm gonna have to do this again at the next phase. And people get terrified, right? So that's what my client is experiencing right now, where like, she's like, she just got this really fantastic manager. And she's like, okay, well, now I have to focus on getting an agent. I'm like, you have been in this phase for so long of trying to get a good rep. You just got a good rep. Your next step is not to get another good rep, <laughs> right? But she's so comfortable. That's like in her comfort zone to do those steps that might be really like reaching out coldly to reps might be really scary for someone. And it probably was for her before she was in that phase, right? So I think that people get scared of moving on to that next phase and what that's going to look like because what got you here isn't necessarily going to get you there it's going to take some different and new risks and i think people just get so scared to take them that's so fascinating about the yeah because it all comes down to muscle memory and you you kind of resort back to just what you know so and so that's what that's what the fixed mindset i think is with people is you might um you might learn how to dance as a teenager 
but you just learned that dance move. That's it. I know I can do this dance move. It's gonna, it's passable. No one's gonna stop the music and look at me. But I'm, I don't know that new dance move. And versus somebody who's like, I'm just gonna be weird about it till I figure out how to get these hips moving. And it's, and it's, that's a, the worst analogy ever. But, <laughs> but I love, I love thinking about that because, on like the quantum, like mechanics level of things, electrons when they shift energy levels. They, when they've studied them, they don't go from one level to the next in like a linear way. They just disappear and show up on the next level. And that's what a quantum leap is. Yes. It's a leap from one thing to the next. And it's like when we say you, you can't unknow what you now know, you, 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 you break when you're ready for it, when the electron doesn't jump. The, the quantum leap doesn't happen till the, the <laughs> I'm going to butcher the physics of it, but it doesn't happen till like all of the electrons are accounted for on the one level. It, it leaps because it's like, all right, on to the next thing. It's a video game. Okay, you've completed it. Game over. Now it's going to get a little more challenging. Then you're going to learn that. Your muscle memory is going to kick in. What What's good about what I like to, I like using my like stand up as a um, sort of uh, example because it's very simple. You have to be creative learn what's unique and funny but then you have to say it in front of an audience with confidence with t- which takes time 2019 has been probably my worst year of actual performing out of the my in my lifetime it's been the hardest year but i i haven't i don't feel bad about it then like the other night i go to do a show and everything's like clicking because all of the muscle memory of not working out the right timing of jokes and this and that it all kind of came together and it was it was a full audience of people that trusted what I was saying. And not only did they trust what I was saying, I had worked it out with enough failure. And by failure, I mean just flubbing through it that I was able to kind of master what I was trying to say. So then not only am I saying the creative funny thing, but they're believing in it. And it's like when you go into like a pitch meeting and you just, you've said this to your mom enough times, like this is what the story's about. You've talked it through <laughs> with enough friends that when you explain it to a stranger, they're like, whoa, this guy gets it. And it's like, are you willing to feel the 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 stumbles, the flubbing on the way to getting, you know, because if you're learning piano, you go C, C, D, and then you just learn. I was, um, have you heard of the book, The Talent Code? Mm-mm. It's it's kind of like um, what I think the precursor to Malcolm Gladwell's um, Tipping Point was. Oh. Um, not necessarily, but this book was, I was like, oh, this is very similar. Then I looked at it and I was like, oh, the talent code was written like 10 years beforehand. And it was this British guy and he talks about myelin. And myelin is just an enzyme that it basically hardens a neural pathway. So like if you learn how to play a C note enough times, your brain is, is kind of creating a super pathway to the muscle memory of playing that C note. So it's just muscle memory. So sometimes if you have like a weird thing you need to say it and like a pronounce something like super califragilist, you're not gonna, you're gonna fuck that up a million times until you say it slow and sing it and then figure it out. So it's, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's like, real like there's a lot you can do i think on the um on the physical level to like prepare yourself for whatever it is you're trying to do and just you have to trust like a lot of the comics that have made it they know they need two years to write an hour they need they need a year to write it then they need a year to go tour it and they need to like figure all that out and maybe that's maybe they need three years but like they've they've learned that they're not just you know when when chris rock gets on stage the, the thing he says every single set he does that's not like a big arena show he goes lower your expectations lower your expectations because i'm gonna say some weird shit i'm gonna fail a little bit it's but i'm gonna survive it but it's not gonna be some grand slam and i feel like la is so hyper focused on everyone just crushing it at life that it's almost like is there any room for failure within this like uh, petri dish that we have here? I don't even think it's LA. I think that we live in an instant gratification society right now. And so people want the overnight success. They want things to happen quickly. There's so many things in our lives that we get instantaneously that the thought of spending years to create an hour set, like people don't want to do that now because they want it to come instantaneously. It's like so overwhelming. And it's like, bro, just write a joke. Yeah. Start it out with a tweet, get a tweet, get a tag, write a joke. Or if you're going to write, make a movie or write a script, just like get that. It's almost like, I like, I like the idea of being like, okay, let's just shit all over the pages. Let's just say, you're going to say it the wrong way a million times. You're going to like, you're going to, whatever it is you're trying to do creatively, you're probably not going to 
This, the first take's probably not going to be good. Let's record it and get it out of the way. And whenever uh, this project I do with my buddy, it's called Hollywood Posers. We do Instagram comment. We do play-by-play commentary of Instagram photography. So we just go to murals around town, set up our cameras and microphones, and and do commentary of dudes taking their girlfriend's photos. And it's always the last takes of everything that we say that's always the funniest because we're like, all right, we've figured it out. We kind of like stumbled through, like you say this part, I say that part. And we have to coexist with two brains commentating back and forth versus when I, when like when I do a solo podcast, I can just talk out of my ass for an hour. You know what I mean? But when I'm talking to somebody else, it's like you have to kind of do that tango, learn, like learn each other's pacing. I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's not always about how you can create on your own. It's about how, how you can use your network, your friends, your, you know, your creative partners to, to like, um, kind of figure out how to succeed with each other. How, how do, um, I've got a buddy that I create with that's super, he's got a ton of limiting factors. He's totally not on board with thinking things can go viral or be a big success or that there's money involved with creativity. How can you, oh, sorry, the dog's chewing on (laughs) we have a bass sound laying on the mic cords how do you how can you how can somebody like i enjoy working with a buddy of mine he's we're really great creatively together but i also feel like i'm his motivational coach because i'm like bro we're doing this we can make it man next thing you know like we don't need the side jobs we're just trying you know we're figuring out this and that how can you how can you like i don't want to be his teacher and his cheerleader mm-hmm. how do i bring him to the water to be like hey have a sip of this it's good you, you're 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 you like how do i get his confidence level up in his ability to have that self-worth so this probably is unpopular opinion <laughs> but that's not your responsibility and i think that a lot of times when we're when we're doing our own work on ourselves and also just feeling positive about the potential and the possibility of what we're creating. And like, you have to be in that energy in order to succeed. And so I think that it can become infectious. And when people see you like that, and then you're doing it, and then they're like, it rubs off on them. And, and so if I think if it's not rubbing off on somebody, it's not our responsibility, like they have to get there on their own. And it's a choice. I think so often we want to do it for other people. Like I've been there so many times where I'm like, do you know how good life can be, you know, and you just want to shake them. But I really learned that, especially as a coach, because like I can't be responsible for whether or not my clients actually follow through on the stuff that we talk about. And that's really hard for me too, but it, I'm giving them the tools. It's totally up to them what they do with it. Do you let them see that they're not kind of living up to their own goals they've set? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the resistance. And uh, fortunately, I work with really great people who are self-aware. And so we use the word resistance and we're like, okay, yeah, there's major resistance happening. Let's talk about why. Let's talk about what's going on. Um, So the self-aware thing is really important. But I do. I had a really good conversation with a friend last night about being a visionary. So I don't know if you know Dr. Joe Dispenza and his work. So sorry, (laughs) move the table. So he talks about quantum physics and how it relates to everything that we're talking about here. Um, but he talked about the the idea of a visionary, someone like a Martin Luther King, who saw a potential future before it existed, right? And even though we're not necessarily maybe changing laws and things like that, but we have to be able to see our success before it exists. We have to We have to be a visionary in that sense. You know, we have to see the potential we have to see the possibilities we have to see a world in which we are successful before there's any proof at all in front of us and if you are working with people who aren't on board with that vision it's gonna take you so much longer to get there right if ever that's so that's so powerful to think it think it that way it reminded me of an art teacher i had who they would say if you want to draw a straight line you have to look at the where you want to go with it you have to look at the end of it and then you just draw <laughs> and yes. it's not always gonna be perfect but you're gonna get to that you're gonna get there it's like when you go skiing they teach you like oh, if you want to turn left look to the left it's like your body will kind of figure it out to get there yep. but that's that's so true and you know to my, my buddy who i was talking about he still shows up and works really hard on all the creative stuff so i know he believes in the products i just am kind of like wanting him you know to be to to know that we're like like uh, I, I, I'm, I almost want to keep keep motivating 
us to keep creating these projects because I go, look, the, these aren't making any money right now, but I know every I know every hour we're working is worth $10,000 or more because I know that the product's there and now it's just about creating it and then bringing it to like the marketplace. And that's what I think can be so hard for people is in with mo- almost everything creative, until you've proven yourself, you don't get an advance to write a book. You just have to do it. And I think it's hard for people to understand the um that that the like time cost analysis of like sitting down and getting st- building your website it's like well your website's not going to pay you but when somebody wants to hire you they're going to look at your website so it's like it's like uh, it's like a understanding like you said that when you look at the final product of what you want to be and become and or what you want to create there's a lot of steps along the way that are going to add up to that but not all of them might be exactly something that's going to pay off tomorrow like what? Like when you started to create your company, um, when you started to get into more like of a uh, you know helping motivational coach or uh, help you know Hollywood. Sorry, what's it called again? Hollywood success coach. Success coach. When yeah. you started becoming a success coach, how did you? Um, what What did you immediately need to do to change the way you uh, you found your own success versus like creating a way for other people to find you? Because there must be a lot of marketing that's involved just to get just for people to trust you. Like, did you did you start with like your own your inner circle of you know friends or how did you how did you find how did did you find your clients or did they find you? So I have a podcast. I have the podcast. I had a blog. I had I did paid advertising. Um, I, I wasn't really one of those people that wanted to just like coach their friends or their inner circle. So uh, yeah, I mean. I think that if you, so our motto is that my success is inevitable. When you believe that your success is inevitable, you are led to take the actions that are going to lead you there, regardless of whether, like you're saying, it pays off today or if it pays off three years from now, right? Like I invested in coaches myself, like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the past year, like $30,000 a year or something like that, investing in coaches myself in my own growth and my, you know, like I want to make sure like I'm a fucking fantastic coach and I need to invest in that. And I might not see, well, I did see a return, but you know, I might not see that return like today, but by the end of the year, yeah, I've built a six figure business. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> how, so how can so so you've you've figured out how to find a return on your investment? How do you let your how how do you let your clients know that there that there is a return on what they're creating? Like, are you? You're, I mean, I, it's probably bad to focus on like an immediate return, but like for me, I want to I want to blow up. You know, I I know that if I sell forty tickets to a show five nights a week, that I'm going to be making. You know, like it adds up fast. You don't need to be selling out arenas. I know that there's you only need a very specific small slice of the pie to be very happy and and have your voice heard and this and that. But also, I'm I feel like uh you know in a triathlon when you're in the swimming part and everyone's elbowing each other in the gut trying to get in the open swimming lane. That's what I feel like podcasting is. That's what I feel like stand up is. So it's like it's like how do you how do you not focus on the ins- the 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 setting setting goals like do you set financial goals for the year do you set or do you just set creative goals or is it a little bit of both because you know you don't want to just fail miserably you you don't want to be so discouraged because this month i said i was going to make x amount of money doing comedy but it's like is that realistic or do i you know how do, how do you how do you overcome if if the goals aren't always met yeah. I mean, I always set goals. I always set goals. My clients set goals. But here's the thing that I've learned. So when I first started in Hollywood, I was using Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, and he talks about setting a deadline for goals. If you don't have a specific day of when you say you're going to do it, it's just a very nebulous dream. And the deadline helps it feel more concrete. And I still agree with that 100%. I think setting a deadline lights a fire under your ass to make it happen. But I also believe in divine timing, and I think that, look, we might not always achieve our goals in the deadline that we set, but we hold the vision, we continue to hold the vision. So like we say this or something better. And so look, like if it doesn't happen in this month, it's st- I know it's still going to happen. I don't know which month it's going to happen, but I'm holding this damn vision so hard that I, this is what I'm working towards, and everything that I do is still working towards that vision, regardless if it happens in February. <laughs> the 
the dog's food just fell. Oh, he, he, he probably hit it early. That's, yeah, we, we might have a ghost over there. That was very strange. Oh, my God. Something, okay, yeah, I'll take that out of the audio. <laughs> that's, a, that's the dog's area. And usually, like I said, when he goes on the couch, he, yeah. like when we're, when we're podcasting, he'll do things he's not supposed to. And I think he went over there and tried to eat some food he wasn't supposed to have. Anyway, I'm just going to blame him for the ghost in the house. But no, that's so right about this or something better. That's so interesting because, yeah, you, I, I think a struggle that I have is that we, we, we know it's a long haul. We know it's a marathon. Like the overall goal is a, can be a long haul that sometimes I feel like we're, I'm just kind of like pursuing creative things in a void of no deadlines versus saying the script is going to be done. And it's almost like if you, if you have a weight loss challenge, you tell your friends, I'm going to lose this amount of weight. It's almost like you're giving yourself a little bit of shame if you don't do your goals. Which, which I don't mean shame in the sense that like you're. Call, I'm not calling myself a fat fuck if I can't get rid of this ten pounds of belly fat. But if I say I'm gonna go run a triathlon, and then my buddies say, "How was a triathlon?" I'm gonna feel shame if I'm like, "I didn't do it. I I decided," you know. So it's about kind of like holding yourself accountable when you don't have a necessarily have a boss that that'll hold you accountable. Yes. And I think the accountability is really important. Like, I guess every personality is different. Like if you can never set a deadline for yourself and still get shit done in a, a decent amount of time, then that that's awesome. I am not that person. Like, and I think that even like, especially writers, how you're saying that with the script, like, you know, I think people do struggle with that. It's like, okay, can you write five pages a day? Can you write, or by the end of this week, can you have 20 pages done or, you know, and chances are, if you, if you sit down and write those five pages, you'll write nine. Like chances are yes. that flipping the notebook open to write a joke is the hardest part. I also, okay. I also kind of think that without the deadlines, it is a hobby and not a business. Wow. And again, maybe other personalities are great at getting things done without it. But I do think that you want to shift from like, because Look, as an artist, I think the business piece of it is hard for a lot of creative people. And I, like my mind kind of works both ways. And so I help my clients with that a lot because I feel like they're all creative artists that don't, they want to just do their art. They want to be their talent. They want to do the thing that brings them joy. The business stuff is not what they want to work on. But if you're just focused on the art and you're never thinking of it, you know, of it in terms of a business, you know, people want to make tons of money. There, there, There's a lot of money to be had in Hollywood. But if you're never thinking about it in those terms, how do you expect the money to come? Yeah, you want you, you need the money or like the revenue or whatever it is. You need you need you need that to happen to like open up your creativity, to have the space to do that. Like it's almost like, you know, a lot of times like an actor or someone will they'll do some weird art house film. But the next film they got to do is going to make some money for the company, you know. So it's like you have to you have to kind of balance what what you, you what is specifically something you want to do versus the legwork to make that happen. Like I, I I'm you know for this podcast as an example, I'm turning all the different gears to figure out how to make it more profitable because I know the people that listen are a loyal bunch and I just know like I said we checked the ch- we checked the charts one week what last week we were number 1 in Ghana. I don't know what that means. <laughs> we're like f- charting in Slovenia. Like it's weird when you look at the charts that like exist out there, but it's like I need we, I need to be charting in the US. I need to be selling tickets here. I can't just be selling them on the you know the Gold Coast of Africa. I need uh you know and we're we're consistently ranked in the top 100 on the comedy interviews. But but there is a threshold where advertisers say, okay, you've passed this level of monthly listeners. Now we're going to start giving you money. So the advertisers, you know, we started to get a few, but it's really about, like for me, the X's and O's knowing if I have X amount of listeners. So the create the, the creativity and, and what I want the, the listeners to get out of it, that remains, I want that to be top notch regardless but also what can I do to make it more profitable so I can do this more? I always tell my Patreon listeners, they, they pay you know $5, $8, $12 a month and they get an episode, an extra a week, but they know that they're not just paying $8, like it, or uh, you know, it'd be easy to pay $8 a month and be like, well, you know, Spotify's 10. I can have millions of hours of sound versus just you doing an hour. It's like, well, that money's going directly back to me carving out more time to do what I love. That's what like Patreon kind of markets it as. So, so this year I started the Patreon and I've been able to double up on my episodes every week because it gives me more time to do the creative thing. Now, now the goal is, well, how do I add 
decibels uh, to my downloads to the point where this is all we're doing. So I can have somebody like feed them the the video clips and they can just take care of the social media of it. Like how how like how do I blow it up to that next level? Once you like so so basically, I think I'm at I think I'm at the place where I'm ready for the quantum leap and I'm just like, all right, well, what do I got to do now? I've done 364 of these. It's wildly successful in some eyes and in others, it's like, well, you're an indie podcast. So it's like just living in this world where I think I think we're on the way, you know. Yes. I believe in myself. Yeah, I think okay, so here's what I think and this is I'm doing this event in 2 weeks and this is what the event is about. The event is called Inspired Strategy and so it's about the strategy coming from the inspired ideas, but the inspired ideas only come when you believe you're going somewhere, right? So you have this vision of where you want to go and you have confidence that you know it's possible. You don't really know how it's going to happen right. yet, but you do have the vision. And just by having the vision alone, you will be guided to the inspired ideas, just like you were inspired to start this podcast. Yeah, and that's the interesting part is is um you know you'll see you you probably know this you'll see a bump in downloads or your your an Instagram photo will like hit the right algorithm and does well and sometimes you just don't know why and that's I think the frustrating part with dealing with the internet is that sometimes you don't know how or when something becomes successful what 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 it is that went viral it just did, did it post at the right time of day and the right person re- retweeted it right away but people's careers are made based on putting the content out there and then somebody else blo- like my buddy's got you know this thing that's got like 10 million views this um this this uh, zombie short film and every year on halloween it just fucking kills it hundreds of thousands of extra views he's got um top tier representation as a director and a writer because and i was like dude how did you get that like how did your zombie film do well obviously it's got to be great quality that's the bare minimum and he was like yeah someone like someone like you watched it early on and like talked about it on their radio show and everyone was checking it out and it was like how so it's like building it's like you have to have faith that that fire will come but also build the put the twigs together like like set yourself up in a way that that the fire can even happen in the first place but then in the end I don't know. I don't want to be super passive. Like things are just going to figure it's, it's just going to go viral. Like that's something my mom was like, yeah, make it go viral. But like, wh- how do you, so, so, so I've, I feel like I have the vision now. So what strategy do you need once you have the vision, like to get it in those hands? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, like part of what you're talking about is how, what others will view as luck your friend got lucky exactly and i don't believe in that i because i think that that is a really passive way to pursue anything to believe that oh well i just have to get lucky i just have to go viral i just have to wait for that thing to happen or i just have to wait for that random person to happen to see it and talk about it on the radio and so i i don't like to talk about it in those terms because success does leave clues you know when we say that it's all about luck how do we recreate that and I think that we can recreate everything. I think we can strategize everything. We can reverse engineer everything. I think that also, though, that everybody has a very unique path. And like what happened for your friend, it might be different for you. It might happen differently for you. Um, but I think that how does the strategy form? Like this is I'm, I'm obsessed with this. this is how my what my event is about, because like I am right now, I am taking my business to a new level in a slightly new direction. And I did not create a quote unquote strategy for this, but I have been led to ideas and I have documented every idea since October 1st and I have been led to 13 ideas and now I've got a freaking strategy and it's really unfolded into a really cool strategy that I'm excited about. And so it's not about like, oh, let me just see. It's like, like, you know, like I'm already having some ideas for you, you know, of things that you could try and we can talk about it, you know? And so it's like, okay, I just ta- I just had the inspired idea to even talk about this on this episode right now. The person I'm talking to might potentially have ideas for me. I think that we are, okay, the way that Joe Dispenza describes this, if you visualize, they, they've studied this, they studied this exact thing. If you visualize yourself practicing the piano, there's a part of your brain that lights up when you're visualizing that. When you actually play the piano, the same exact part of your brain lights up. 
Hmm. Your brain does not know the difference. And so what Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about is like when we wake up in the morning, everything is memorized, right? So when we wake up in the morning, we go through the same steps. Like we have a thought, I have to pee. And then our body follows that thought and follow the body goes to the bathroom. When we have a thought of, I want this podcast to blow up and I have this vision and I'm going in this direction, the body eventually follows the thoughts because the brain doesn't know if it's imagined or if it's real. Wow. And so it's not this fluffy, oh, I'm just going to wait until magically it becomes viral. You are allowing yourself to receive these inspired ideas and trust that you will be guided because the thought in your mind and the vision is going to create it. That's a really great way to describe visualization because I think a lot of times you just need to visualize it. People mm-hmm. go, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna go tell that to the uh, you know my uh, my uh, you know landlord. Just gonna visualize a rent check. <laughs> oh, good! I'll just visualize. Go, go fuck yeah. yourself." Yeah. But that's so that's such a great way to look at it is to just to. And, and I like what you mentioned before about, um, you said something about success shows you clues when you look back on it and everything. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing to think. That was, so the, the podcast, uh, the, uh, the, the thing I was working on, Hollywood Posers, we've only, we just shot our fifth episode. We've only released four. The first several started to go viral on Reddit and then got taken off because it violated a, uh, apparently you're not, you're, they, they, they're really tough when you post your own content. So, so it, it, it jumped, it, it was basically on the way to going viral it, and it, and it was on the home, like it made it up to the homepage where 22 million people get to see it and it had hundreds of comments that were like dude this is great oh my gosh this, I, I thought I was going to shit on this I actually really liked it so we don't you know in comedy we don't get a lot of love you get some audience laughing or hey you did good but like to get the internet to sit down and write you a nice comment doesn't always work especially on Reddit very toxic environment but they were doing all that and I was thinking and then it got kicked off and I was like well part of part, uh, part of it was like well and now we have to redo that all over again. But I was like, well, we're already creating all this content. We're already creating what these people liked in this initial sort of affirmation we got. We just have to keep on making it. And the way that YouTube works is that it's like if they find it 15 episodes in or 20 episodes in, they're going to watch it all. Like, like the people that found it in episode one were like, oh, we can't wait to see more. It took us two months to get to the next one. So it's like I'm almost okay with this specific project if it doesn't all hit right at once because it might take 15 episodes for us to really clear click and be really good and then and then catch fire and then everything else we've already done is that brush up the hill that the fire just destroys on the on its fury so like i'm okay with this specific project knowing that like we're on the right path and i'm i'm also okay with the podcast knowing i'm i have to be more eloquent than I was five years ago. Like I don't encourage people to listen to the early episodes. <laughs> I, I leave them up there, but eventually I'm bragging and be like, hey, I can get the last 20 episodes. You know, the yeah. first 344, maybe not. But I, I think there is something about just patting yourself on the back and saying, all of this time wasn't wasted. All of this time spent doing other careers, other, I studied business in college. I know, and so I know a little bit about business, but also, you know, like all of the different things we've done in our past will help us in the most unique, weird ways as we get to our ultimate success, I guess. Now, I wanted to ask, because we got to get out of here. We're almost at an hour. Um, how, what's, so tell me a little bit more about the event, how people that are in the LA or Southern California area can hear about it. It's just, it's like just live and in person. Yeah, I actually have at least one person flying in for it. So wow. Yeah, my last event, I had like five people fly in, which is so Amazing. cool. Yeah, um, it's at Warner Brothers. It's on a Wednesday night, seven p.m. to nine p.m. in a theater, and it's it's a really stripped down event compared to the other events I do. But it's called Inspired Strategy, and I'm just gonna share how you can create your own inspired strategy, um, and then we're gonna open up to Q and A for an hour. It, so it's like a really intimate event, but. I am on fire about this concept right now because it is, I think it's something that I've always been doing. I actually used to teach it to my clients as like this side thing, like this little fun thing on the side, like, let's see where you're guided. And now it is my entire, like I have literally created a really badass strategy just from the inspired ideas that I've gotten. And it's almost like, I I almost feel like I sent out invitations to my event the other day and I almost felt like I wasn't the one writing the address. Like I am just- The conduit. I am just doing the steps that I'm like feeling so good. It's like the yellow brick road is like brick by brick being laid in front of me and I'm just 
walking it, knowing that it's leading somewhere. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what it's gonna look like, but this is the first time in my life I feel really peaceful and calm about this. And I just, I wanna share this because I've had clients, cause here's the thing, like what you're talking about with your friend, there is no one way to do anything in Hollywood, right? There's, it's not like there's one career path or there's one success path and everybody needs to have it look like that in order to also be successful. Especially now with the streaming and everything, everything has changed. There's no one way to do anything in Hollywood. And I also feel that there are no actual rules. There are, there are rules that people believe in and buy into but there are no absolutes like there's an exception for every damn rule you know like i always like i always tell my actor clients like you know oh well you know i've got to do this many co-stars first and then this this many guests right there's like these rules but i'm like hey alexis bladell booked gilmore girls series regular title character had never acted before there's always an exception to the rule and so this inspired strategy thing takes all of that into account. It's like there's no one way to do anything and there are no freaking rules. So you need to find your own unique strategy that works for you. And for me, this is like the most powerful thing I've ever done. And I see it happening for clients where like, you know, like I have this one actor client who felt led to, you know, she was doing things the quote unquote typical way, the typical path of an actor and struggling a bit. And then she felt guided to do this podcast with her friend. It's a horror podcast. It fucking blew up. It is opening doors for them like no other. Love it. You know, and you can't say, oh, okay, that's a strategy now and I got to go start a podcast. I do a horror podcast. (laughs) Right. No, that was her inspired strategy and you need to find your own version of that. And I actually think like, like that this inspired strategy when you allow yourself to be led but again you have to take the actions you have to take the risks you know it's all about like like my inspired strategy all of these ideas that i've been guided to do they're all risks they're all scary as fuck you know but i'm doing them because i believe in them and i believe where i'm going so uh yeah so that's what this event is about. i'm so excited for you uh, thank you this is um yeah this I, you're, you're so right on about about kind of playing to your own strengths. I like to use the the example of the uh, New England Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick. His genius is that he'll take a player that might not fit into a box. He might not be the fastest wide receiver or the quickest running back or whatever, but whatever specific they, skill they have, he'll design a play for that because he, cause he knows that the players are better um, it, it's better to exploit the defense with whatever strength the offense has, not what the offense is meant to do. So if there's somebody who's just got some sort of weird specific skill that they find they have, that's it. That's your power move. And that'll open up doors to other things. I'm sure your friend with the horror podcast, like I'm sure they had a lot of passion for horror films and never thought that that was what the market wanted because horror is like an indie business. But like, yeah, it's, if you want to, you know, that, that's, that's so. It's such a strong niche. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't believe in any boxes. I don't care what Hollywood says. Hollywood's all about the boxes. And I say, screw that. I really do believe that you you need to be yourself. You need to be uniquely yourself and you need to stop dimming your light to fit into their boxes. And you, you need to you stop need to do dimming you. your light to fit into their boxes. Yeah. That's a good way to button it up now. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know, I want everyone to know all the ways they can follow you, find okay. your stuff. You've got your podcast. What's that called? The Hollywood success, podcast. the Hollywood success podcast. You've got, um, what's Instagram, Twitter, all that. Uh, or, or Instagram, you're Hollywood Success Coach. I don't really use Twitter. Okay, fuck e- Twitter. Except and then, to, but you're big on Facebook too, right? Yeah, Facebook. I post a lot on my personal page. You can come find me there. But I have I have a Facebook group too. Tell, um, me, about, tell me about Facebook groups because we just formed one ourselves. And I want to I'm going to invite you to be in ours. If you want to share what you're doing in our in our SAP Facebook group, by all means, maybe you could like you know if people could find you that way. But what but um what do you do? What do you use your group for? Because it's different than a Facebook page. I'm finally I'm so I'm so old with this stuff. I'm so old, but it's it's just more discussion based around what you're doing. Yeah, I mean. For one, I mean, I know you saw my post, right? And that's why you reached out to me. Like, I think that there are like all of the other Hollywood groups that I'm in, except for maybe one or two are super negative. And so I at least wanted to provide a space that's like, look, I don't do that. I think that the negativity and the scarcity and all of like, especially the scarcity based thinking, I think that that really deters you from succeeding. If you look for it, it's there. 
If you look for a reason to be to have limitations yeah. or scarcity, you'll find it. Yeah, and same if you look for a reason to succeed, you'll find it. it's exactly the same. Whatever you choose to focus on. So one, I like to at least provide, you know, an opportunity for people to have a space where, like, we're not talking that shit. Like, we're actually talking as if your dreams are possible, not about how hard it is and how impossible it is. Um, but yeah, I, I use my group like really also to for them to get to know me better before they choose to work with me or join one of my programs or anything you know is there um is it a private group is it can i get in it's private it's a private, private. and knock at the door of the success coach group <laughs> yeah i think it's good to be to private it's supposed to be good to have them be private right because that way people can't just like lurk and see what you're doing they, they have to join yeah yeah you have to join um yeah it's the hollywood high achievers group but uh yeah i just there's like a like a question you have to answer yeah. in order to get in. I'm new to all that. I'm new to the, yeah, these Facebook groups are the, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. My, 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 you know, I've joined a few because of Tasha. Cause she's like, you have to be in this financially, uh, you know, uh, independent group, uh, fight, whatever it is. And I'm like, all right, I'm in there. So like, she's, so she can like share, you know, different things the group is posting. But then I formed the SAP page and I'm like, I don't know what we're supposed to talk about, but I was like, I started posting some, you know, I'll, I'll continuously post in it. And I don't know, maybe it'll just be like, um, an addendum to whatever we talked about this week on the podcast because i already do those show notes for for um, the podcast and all that but facebook's kind of weird with how it promotes things so i think it has to be promoted from within the group like my personal page you know how it is when you post something on your personal page that even smells like you're promoting something facebook's like nope no one's gonna see this it's links yeah oh they don't do any of links definitely if you're posting a link that's taking you out of facebook they don't want you to make money unless you're you know yeah so yeah. The, so any kind of link there like you're not going to get the engagement um so people can find you um and then yeah. also do you have a website people can go to hollywoodsuccesscoach.com hollywoodsuccesscoach.com and um yeah so let, come come back on if whenever you want to and like let us know how it's all going and i think i was it's it's nice to hear your sort of um exuberance as you're like excited about the new kind of um the new you know 13 what would you what would you call that your 13 rules for strategy what do you have like a label for it all your new your new ideas you said you came up with like 13 oh oh i I, the 13 is just like like it'll be 14 tomorrow and 15 the next like i'm just i'm documenting the inspired ideas that i've gotten and then i've also documented the synchronicities that have happened to me that like kind of confirm like yes you should be going in this direction to show people how it becomes a strategy and not a fluffy oh i have this cool idea yeah I think it's great. Well, thank you so much for doing the thank podcast. Thank you so much for Ta- having me. This is me. synchronicity to me because I was like making soap last night and I was like, oh, I guess I'll, you know, blah. and I was like, oh, Eric, I was like, yeah, she's got so much going on. I haven't even reconnected. <laughs> this is great. So thank you so much for being on and and uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast, go support her. If you're in LA and you need some structure in your life and you're shooting for big things, uh, go listen to her podcast at the very least and follow her and join your your uh, all your uh, events that you got going on. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that chat. Oh, we got we covered so much content. If you loved Erica, I'm sure you did. Go follow her on Facebook. Join her Facebook group. Uh, if you're in the LA area, can you go hit up one of our seminars? Go do that as well. Uh, we we probably we probably spent another 15 minutes after the episode was over talking about different strategies. You can really tell that Erica has just a passion for success and for getting uh, you know for helping enable people to find their path to success. I think there's something very great about um, wanting everyone to feel that love and happiness that you can feel within. So I hope you guys all feel that. I hope you I hope you're on the way the path to your success and if there's any way I can help you, let me know. I love it when it's a two-way convo. You can reach out to me at sexactuallypodcast@gmail.com. Let me know how you guys are doing. Let me know what's going good in your life. You know, write, leave a comment on the Instagram photos or on the Facebook. We have a new Facebook group. I'm going to be creating discussions on this Facebook group. It's just a way for me to share some of the content with the listeners because, you know, sometimes the Facebook page kind of limits and throttles what we can share. So there's a group, just search the SAP or um, go to my uh, page, uh, Dave Neal, and um, request to join and we'll get you in on that. With, anyway, uh, I really appreciate all of your support. This was our Thanksgiving episode. We didn't even mention it. Well, I just want you guys to know I'm grateful for all those that take the time out of your day to listen to the podcast, that comment, leave a review, all of our Patreon listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanksgiving, everybody.